Well, thank you for gathering with us on this, what I'm calling a holiday weekend. Uh, the longer I live, I realize uh, it looks like here in America, we are getting better at making holidays hollow weeks. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if we can figure out how to turn a day into a whole week, then, then we do that. And that, it kind of feels like uh, that's how this week has been. But I'm glad you're here. My name is Jeff, and uh, I'm excited to be able to share uh, what I believe to be some, some truth with you today, some thoughts with you today, some challenges with you today. This summer, we have been studying the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, it's a book in the Bible that was written by an older father figure, Paul, who's writing to a, a younger man, a younger leader uh, named Timothy. He's a, he's a pastor, a young pastor in a church in a place called Ephesus. And we're calling this study Blueprint. We're calling it Blueprint. Um, think about a set of blueprints that you would use to, to look at a design in order to, to build a house, all right? Well, that's what Paul is doing in the scripture that we're given. He's, gonna, he's giving a set of blueprints not to build a building like this, but he's talking about the house of God. What should the people of God look like? Before we dig in, um, I want to, uh, this morning, I, I want us to extend a warm Heart of Life welcome to our Taiwan friends who are here with us for a couple of weeks. Can we do that? Heart of Life, can we welcome them today? We are so glad that you're here. It is great to see uh, Michelle again. Uh, she, she is the lady that just kind of orchestrates this whole entire thing, and Jacob and Esther and just all of our friends that we get to see uh, a couple of times a year, for me at least. And uh, we're glad you're here. They win the award for the longest distance traveled to church today. I should check. Anybody travel longer than 8,000 miles? Anybody? Then they win the award. They absolutely win the award. How great is it that even though we can live great distances apart, 8,000 miles, we can still stay in touch. And the reason we can stay in touch is because technology has changed all of that. Um, just thinking about what's available today that, that wasn't available even, even you know, 10 years ago or so, I was thinking back this week about all the different options, all the different apps, for example, that make it possible that we can communicate long distances, all right? So we're going to play a quick game of guess the communication app, all right? Quick game of guess the communication app. Uh, we'll, we'll try it. We'll, we'll kind of start out with, with what I think is an easy one, all right? I'm going to show you the icon. Anybody know what that, what, what is that for? Facebook Messenger. Very good. Last week we stood up here and we're trying to get parents to connect with, with messenger groups because it makes it really easy in order for, for instruction and coordination and all that to happen. It, it changes the game for communication. All right? Let's do another one. What's that? What? WhatsApp. 
That's right. It's called WhatsApp. Not what's up, WhatsApp. All right? Yeah, let's do another one. What? Yeah, WeChat. WeChat. Um, we use that one a lot. Uh, China, across China, WeChat is used uh, a, lot bit, a lot to be able to, to communicate those, those, those distances. How about this one? Anybody know? Group me. That's right. Group me. That's exactly right. Let's do a little easier one. There you go. I thought the S would help you out, right? For those of you who are just kind of staring, uh, like, I don't know what that is. All right, Skype. Back, that was kind of back in the day even when it seemed like it wasn't a whole lot else. There, there was Skype. Let's do another one. Yeah, iMessenger. Yeah, you recognize that one. Now, before we do the last one, this is for all of you who have just sort of a blank stare because you don't have any idea what we've talked about so far. You won't have any idea. I, I'm putting this last one because I feel that I'm going to build your confidence and, and you're going to get this one. I feel like you're going to get this one. You ready? One, two, three. Good. Good job. Good job. Line. Yeah. And I, I know in terms of Taiwan, line is used um, a lot to be able to communicate. Communication is valuable to us because communication is directly tied to relationship. When you can communicate, there's relationship. And so today, we're going to talk about the best communication app ever. That's what Paul's going to give us, right? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what he says. I urge then first of all, First things first. He says we're going to open the blueprints. First thing we're going to look at, if you want to have a healthy church, Timothy, here's what you need to know. Here's where you need to start. Here's where you need to do. Well, what is it? Here's what he says. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people interesting. When Paul says, Timothy, we're going to talk first things first, you, you know what he doesn't say? He, he, it's not preach. Well, that stinks. Not preach first. Not, not get a killer worship band together first. Not put out some engaging, right, clickbait advertisements on social media to, to make sure that your, that your branding is on point. That's not where he starts. When Paul starts, he says, first of all, pray. Pray. Now, some of y'all think prayer is what you do when you've exhausted every other option. Some of us operate in our life where we pray when we've done everything else that we know to do and we're just frustrated and so now we pray. Paul says, actually, I want you to see this is the place that you start. I want you to see that this is the best communication app that has ever existed because this doesn't just connect you to even other countries in the world. This connects you to an unseen world. This connects you to a supernatural world. Paul says the first blueprint requirement, pray. And I'm going to summarize what I think he says here. He says, I want you to pray in every way for everyone. Pray in every way for everyone. 
Now I'm saying in every way because he gives us four specific words for prayer. Let's go back and look at verse one again. I urge then first of all that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Now when we talk about prayer, we kind of have this over-encompassing word prayer. But these four words, he gives us to help us understand when he's calling us to pray, what does that mean? Here's what they mean. Petitions, for example. Petitions are requests for stuff for yourself. This is why most of us pray. We pray because we want stuff. We pray because we need stuff. And so we pray because we're talking to God, trying to convince him to give us what we think we need. There is a word for that. It is this word petitions, and Paul says you should pray. You should ask God for the things that you need. But that's not all. The second word is the word prayers, which are statements of God's greatness. This is saying a part of what we want to say when we're talking to God is, God, you're good, always. Everything you do, everything you think, everything that you act, God, you are always good. God, you are always faithful. God, you are always present. Those statements that we know about how great God is. Now, I'm going to tell you, for me personally, if I pray this and neglect to pray that, I tend to get a lot more frustrated when God doesn't give me what I want. But when I'm asking for something, but then I'm also reminding myself, I'm, I'm, yeah, prayer is declaring God deserves to be, to, be, to be praised, but it's also reminding me God's good, God's faithful, God is present, and so if he tells me no, I should trust him. If he tells me wait, I should trust him. And if he says yes to what I'm asking for, then I can trust him. Third word, intercession, which is a request for stuff for others. He says a part of how you pray should be asking for other people. It's recognizing needs and hurts and things in other people's lives that you are praying for them. And then the last word is the word thanksgiving, statements of gratitude. For me, this one serves very much like the second one does. When, when I take the time to thank God for what I have recognized that he is doing, I realize that the other things that I'm frustrated over that haven't changed yet, the things that I've asked for that haven't come about yet, I'm gonna keep trusting because I'm reminding that God, he really is working. He really is moving. And I thank him for those things. That makes sense? It's just a help. So whether you're learning how to pray for the very first time or whether you have prayed your entire life, I think this is a great way to just keep us balanced as we're talking to God, the line app that connects us to him, he says, this is, this is how you pray. Pray in every way for everyone. Now I'm saying everyone, because if we go back to verse one, that's what he says. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then he gives us an example of what all people means. Verse two, for kings and all those in authority. 
that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. He says, the all people, that includes kings and presidents. In other words, Paul just dropped the P word, politics. He says, when you pray, this is a part of how you should pray. People who are in authority, people who are leading. Now, let me give you some background that I think will help us when we think about praying for um, political leaders, all right? When Timothy was written, when Paul writes this to Timothy, we're talking about, okay, a couple of thousand years ago, long time ago. There was no free speech. There's no voting system in the culture in which he's writing. Whoever your political leader is in that day, you had no say-so in that matter. We understand? No going to the voting booths, no, no being a part of a campaign, no. Whoever was the leader, that was decided for you. So Paul's saying, I don't care who your leader is. I want you to pray for all people, and that even includes the kings, the presidents, the people who are in authority. Now, when you consider who the world leader of that day was, in Paul and Timothy's world, it was a Roman emperor by the name of Nero. Nero, this is the way I would describe it, murdered his way to the throne. Nero would just take out who he needed to take out in order to keep moving himself to where he needed to be. Nero was the first documented emperor to officially persecute Christians through imperial command. Around A.D. 64, there was this huge fire that broke out in Rome, burned much of Rome to the ground. Nero, even though many people believe that he actually set the fire because he wanted to rebuild, guess who he blamed? He blamed the Christians. He blamed the Christians for burning down Rome, and then when the Christians would not renounce following Jesus, he would have them executed. This is who's in charge. It was the Roman historian Tacitus. He gives us uh, a history book, if you will. This is, this is a piece of information he gives us. Besides being put to death, they, the Christians, were made to serve as objects of amusement. They were clothed in the hides of beasts and torn to death by dogs. Others were crucified or set on fire to serve to illuminate the night. Nero, the stories are told, would have these parties in the evening at his, you know, palace-type setting. And the way they would light up the party is they would attach Christians to crosses, to poles, and set them on fire. It is this Nero, it is this time frame of such horrendous persecution that Paul says to the church, 
petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving, they are to be prayed for all people, including kings and those in authority. This same Nero, we believe history tells us, would would eventually be the one behind seeing Paul imprisoned and, and even beheaded. So why would Paul tell us to pray that way? He'd tell us to pray that way because he's just following what his true king would do. Paul's true king is Jesus. And here's the instruction that Jesus gave us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven because his, he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We believe that rain part around here right now, right? It just rains everywhere. What's, what's he saying? He's saying, do you understand that God takes care of everyone whether they love him back or not? You understand that God sins like the rain. He, he takes care of people whether they recognize that, that, that he is God or not. And when you and I choose to pray for people who do not love us, we begin to bear the family resemblance of our Father in heaven who, pray, who, who operates that way. Now, before you think there's no way, there's absolutely no way, nobody in their right mind would do that. Nobody's going to going to act that way toward people who don't like them. I want to read this this quote to you from, he's a a pastor from the 19th century. This guy uh, came along about when when Spurgeon came along, when Charles Haddon Spurgeon came along. His his name, great name, Octavius Winslow. What a great name. Here's what he reminds us of. He says, so completely was Jesus bent upon saving sinners by the sacrifice of himself. He created the tree upon which he was to die, and he nurtured from infancy the ones who would nail him to it. Wow. He said, do you realize that Jesus so loves you and me And he was so set on making it possible that we could have a line to him that he created the tree that became his cross. And he created the humanity that would one day crucify him there. Paul is not calling the church to anything that Jesus would not do. Jesus lived this life that was fully pleasing to God, and he calls us to that life that bears the family resemblance. Here's where he goes next. Check out verse 3. This is good. This is good. When you pray, when you pray for leaders in that way, this is good, and it pleases God our Savior. This is my favorite line of the week. Who wants all people? That's good. Who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth? He wants all people. All people would include you. He says God wants wants all people to come to this truth of knowing how good he is, of knowing how he loves us. 
So can I just clarify something for some of you this morning who maybe you're going through some tough stuff. Maybe you've been going through some tough stuff for much of your life. And one of the questions that you tend to ask is, why is God out to get me? That verse we just read, he's not out to get you. He's not out to get you. He wants all people, he says, to come to him. He wants all people to be rescued, to be saved. So just for us, one one of those questions that people always tend to ask, this is the people's follow-up question with me. I'm the preacher, so this this, this is the stuff I tend to get next. Well, then why does God send people to hell? How could a God who wants everybody, how, how could he send people to hell? So I'm going I'm to, here, here's the way I usually go. Do you agree with me that God wants all people to live a life of truth, of goodness, of blessing? I mean, he wants people to live holy. He wants us to live righteous. Does God want that? Does he want all people to live in that way? Do they? No. He wants all people to live trusting him, living truth. Do they? No. Let me get a little more personal. Have I always? No. Did, Did you always? No. Is that God's fault? Uh uh. Does he want all people to be saved? Yes, he does. Does he want all people to know his goodness and to know his love? Yes, he does. Do some people reject that? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. The Bible makes it really clear that God, his will is that none would perish. His will is that none would be separated from him forever, but some choose. Verse 5. Paul says, for there is one God and there is one mediator. One God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. Let's just, let's just leave this for a little bit. One God. Why would Paul say that? Well, because Paul walks in a culture where there are millions of idols. Literally just idols all over the place, right? He regularly walks into towns and there are just temples that will be filled with idol after idol after idol. Things that have been constructed by the hands of men out of wood, out of stone, out of metal. Things that they worship. And the Bible tells us that those things are not real. They're just things made by human hands. His point is, though, I think if there were many gods, then there would be many ways to get to God. Because each God would determine how we get to him. But his point here is there's only one God. Therefore, Everybody must come to this God the way this God says that we come to him. Therefore, everyone must hear about the way that we get to him. Therefore, we must pray. The point is pray. Pray for all people that they would come to this knowledge of who God is. And he says, there's not just, there's one God and and there's one mediator. We, We don't go through angels to get to this God. We don't go through saints to get to this God. We don't go through Mary to get to this God. 
There's just one mediator through which we approach this God. Just a little snippet for you, and you guys can check this out later. But in the book of Job, um, Job's story, one of the earliest stories that we know uh, in terms of Scripture written, during that time of Job losing so much of his stuff, Job is wrestling, trying to understand what's wrong between him and God, right? It's like all this stuff that's happening to me, what is wrong here? And there's a place where Job makes this statement. It's it's Job chapter 9, verse 33. If only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together. He said, if, if there was just someone to mediate between, between God and us, someone who could put one hand on God and put the other hand on us and connect us. Well, Paul says, there's one mediator between God and man, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. How did he do that? Well, check out verse 6. Verse 6, he gave himself as a ransom for, and just in case you haven't bought into this yet, some people, few people, all people. It's the theme. It's the theme this week, all people. We're praying because we pray for all people. Why? Because this is about all people, right? He says he gave himself as a ransom for all people, and and we've seen it. He says "This, this has been witnessed. We know what Jesus did for us. When we think of the word ransom, um, most of us, I, there's, this, there's actually a show on television called Ransom. Every once in a while, um, it's one of those that gets recorded on my uh, deal, and I'll, I'll just kind of watch it if I'm, you know, bored out of my mind or something. I'll, I'll watch this show, Ransom, and it's basically about these professional negotiators who step into a situation when someone is abducted, and then there is a ransom that must be paid. And they come, they figure out the amount of money, and they'll, they'll bring the amount of money in exchange for the person that's been abducted. When we think of ransom, that's what we think of. That's not what this word is. This word in the Greek for ransom is not a word that says money in exchange for a person. This unique word in the Greek language is actually a substitutionary word for ransom. I'm saying it's the word for ransom that says it's somebody for somebody. In other words, it would be like somebody being abducted and somebody else is the ransom. That's literally this word. Somebody else is given up in order for that person to be set free. Wow. So next time you see a picture of Jesus, arms stretched wide on a cross, I I, I hope that there's that image for you. One hand to God. One hand on us. And it was only the cross where Jesus became our substitute where Jesus was willing to die for what we've done wrong, 
where in a miracle, everything that I've ever done wrong, it was as though Jesus did it. It, It's a miracle. I don't know how to explain that to you. God says, this is what I did. I, I put upon Jesus everything that Jeff has ever messed up. Everything that Jeff has ever done wrong, it was placed upon Jesus, and he, in that sacrifice, did that for me. He did that for you. He became the ransom that made it possible that we could be connected to him. Why pray for all people? Because Jesus died. He arose that all might come to him. So, just in case you're not following what I'm saying, here's what I'm saying. Somebody with a different skin color than you, Paul says, pray for them. Somebody with a different religion than you, Paul says, pray for them. Somebody that has more money than you, pray for them. Somebody that has less money than you, pray for them. Somebody who's hurt you, pray for them. Somebody, they're married, pray for them. They're single, pray for them. They vote differently than you, pray for them. They, they listen to Nickelback, really pray for them. Really pray for them. <laughs> Just trying to let you breathe. There's a quote that... Um, I was introduced to just a week or so ago. It's a quote by a lady named Anne Lamott. She's, a, she's an author. Um, this, is, this is what she said. You can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. See, we are actually made in the image of God. And the point is that through Jesus, we we can begin to to resemble his heart. But the truth is, along the way, we all have this tendency to try to create a God in the image we want him to be. And all she's saying here is, isn't it amazing when God seems to hate the same people you do? You're you're playing games with who God is. He wants all people. He wants all people. The gauge that Paul gives for whether or not we believe that Jesus came to save all people, whether or not we believe that Jesus loves all people, is whether or not we take the time to pray for all people. Because Jesus is the mediator between God and us. Because Jesus, he is the ransom for all. Not just the people who think like you do, look like you do, love like you do, vote like you do. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you like the president or not. You are called to pray. Called to pray. Come on, in our country, I mean, it always feels like whoever the president ends up being every single time, only half the country likes him, right? I mean, it's that way all the time. There, there's, there are some folks who, who struggled with Obama. There, there, 
people who struggle with President Trump, that there have always been people who struggle with who the president is because they, they think the other person should have won and they disagree. And it, Paul's point is that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about whether you like them or not. He's saying you should be praying. You should be praying. And if he told them to pray when Nero was in charge, then he tells us to pray now. Paul knew what mattered most. For him, it was that Jesus came for everyone, and he leveraged his life for that. So this is where he wraps it up, verse 7. He says, and for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. He says, look, this is true. You don't believe it's true? Look, I'm pouring out my life for this. They knew what Paul had put on the line. They knew what he had been through. He, who, who is a Jew uh, in, in background, who's been called to the Gentiles, it's like it would take a long time for me to describe all that tension to you. Uh, if you could somehow encapsulate all the racial tensions of American history, all of them, Mix in a dash or two of religious prejudice and a, and a smidgen of the caste system from India. You're starting to feel what, 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 what it's like for Paul to, to navigate in his day. But that's what the good news of Jesus does. It transcends race. It transcends religion. It transcends political and generational divides. And so the question is, how will injustices cease? How will marriages be mended? How will enemies reconcile? How is the world going to know that Jesus is the gracious king over all? And the answer for Paul is prayer. Start with prayer. And if that seems strange to you, then I would, I would pose the question, how else do you think this good news got to us? Because does it really make sense for a small group of guys in the Middle East to start with such news that has passed through all the centuries, all the way to our country, all the way to our little towns, all the way to our ears? How does that get here? And Paul says, well, what is at the foundation of this blueprint? Our faith-filled prayers of those who have come before us who believe with all of their hearts that Jesus came for all. And when you catch a glimpse that Jesus came for all, you will pray for all. The early church leveraged their lives for that. The question is, will we? I want to invite you this Tuesday evening, it's July the 9th, okay, Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, 6.30 at the vault in Harrisonville. Um, we are just calling people together to pray, just calling the church together to pray. And so there, there's going to be just some opportunity on that night for us to walk through just different opportunities, different things that, that we can pray for. Every time we do this, we're going to kind of zero in on one particular thing. We'll pray for a bunch of stuff, but we're going to kind of zero in on one focus each time. This time it's going to be on our kids and on our students. We're going to be praying for our kids and we're going to be praying for our students. And so I want to invite you to come. Again, whether you're just learning to pray or whether you've prayed your whole life, 
Um, you, you know, I'm not going to put anybody in, in, super, in embarrassing situations, but we're, we're actually going to come together and we're actually going to pray. I, I want to invite you to join us. Invite you to join us. 6.30, Tuesday night at the vault in Harrisonville that God's people pray. You realize when we talk about prayer, Prayer is not something we have to do to get God to love us. Prayer is something we do because he does love us. Prayer is not something we do to try to get God's favor. We, we talk to him, we communicate with him because he has granted favor. Prayer is not just something that we even do at certain times of day. Prayer is not just an activity, right, that we, that we do. We wake up in the morning and we say a prayer, and maybe at a meal we say a prayer, and maybe before we go to sleep we say a prayer. No, prayer, it's bigger than that. Prayer is really supposed to be about this attitude of our life. And yes, there are prayer times. Yes, there are times that the church is called together to pray. But don't mistake, it's really the life that prays. It's the life that prays. And this app is open all the time. So a couple of questions, and then I'm praying, and then we're going to sing us a song here as we kind of close this out. Do you know, do you know that God absolutely loves you? Do you know? Say, I think he's against me. No, he's not. We just read it. He wants all people to come to him. Do you know that God absolutely loves you? And do you know, do you know that God wants to have this level of relationship, this level of communication with you? And do you know that you can have access to the God who created this universe just like a child can have a relationship with a parent that loves them and cares for them and wants them, that's the description that God gives of how we can approach him. It's like we can call him our dad who he wants us. And that is made possible not because of how awesome we are, not because of how much we pray. That is made possible because Jesus gave himself as ransom. And he stands as the mediator that all who turn to Jesus believing he really is the son of God who gave his life for us and rises from the dead. For all who trust in him, there can be forgiveness of sin and he will come to live with us forever and ever. That's what makes Christianity different than all the other religions of the world. All other religions of the world declare you must earn a right relationship with God. You jump through this hoop, you jump through this hoop, you jump through this hoop, you do enough stuff, you earn favor with God. Only in Christianity is it that we don't earn it, nor can we never earn it. 
It is Jesus that makes that possible. Prayer, then, is not drudgery, it's delight. And before I pray for you, I want to challenge you. If you're not a Jesus follower yet, maybe it's something you're looking into, maybe it's something you've been thinking about, you hear about Jesus, you're thinking about who he is, I want to challenge you. In fact, the way I would say it is, I dare you. I dare you to pray. I dare you to pray and ask Jesus if he's real. And I dare you to pray and ask him if he loves you. I dare you. Let's pray. God, forgive us. Forgive us for all those times that we hear the word prayer, we talk about prayer, and we make it sound like it's just one of all the other activities of busyness that we have in our life. God, when we, when we think about what this really is, we, we realize it's important. And yet, most of us really struggle with the tendency to turn this into something that we have to do. And God, I'm asking you to give us those eyes like, like I believe that Paul had as he's writing to Timothy in that early church. God, this, this is one of the most amazing, this is one of the most miraculous, this is one of the things that absolutely does not make sense when you, the creator of this universe, would allow us to talk to you. You would allow us to ask of you. God, I'm asking you to help us to see how beautiful this is. God, I pray that the heart of your church would be a, a church that prays because we recognize you love all people. And therefore, you want all people to come to know how great you are. God, from what we have seen today, from what we have learned today, will you take our hearts, God, that direction, make our heart like yours. I pray for these who are gathered here today. I pray for those who will hear our voice, God, through video. I, I'm asking I'm asking for those who maybe don't trust you yet, God, you'll give them courage to simply talk to you, to ask. God, give them ears that can hear as you speak and eyes that can see as you work. God, I thank you for what you do every single day. Thanking you for the way you protect us, thanking you for the way you guide us. God, thanking you for, God, just a thousand things every day that we don't even recognize. You are good. God, thanks for loving us. Even when we don't, didn't even know it, thank you for loving us. Let us respond in such love. It's in the great name of Jesus that I ask it. Amen.